most of us on this planet actually have this empathic capacity to one degree or another. And a lot of people, though, have it so highly developed that they become a sponge for everything and everyone around them. And, you know, the underlying idea, well, let's just say that it just is. But the underlying idea for a lot of people is that they want to heal people, they want to make their lives better. And yet, you can either teach a person to fish, or you can give them a fish. And if you're continuously having to give them fish, you're always the one responsible, and you're always their source. And so, if we can instead be something that allows us to empower people with a different choice, because what we don't realize is what it, everything that is going on in our bodies is a result of choices that we have made and are making. Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project Podcast. What would your body tell you if you were listening? What does the pain in your body really mean? Dr. Dane here is an internationally renowned author, speaker, and co-creator of Access Consciousness. He's a global personal development provider in 176 countries. For over 20 years, he's been inviting people to embrace their true greatness, people from every culture, country, age, and social strata of society. Originally trained as a chiropractor, he has a completely different approach to healing by facilitating people to tap in and recognize their own abilities and knowing. Every year, Dane receives thousands of emails from readers who say that his best-selling book, Being You, Changing the World, inspired them to live. Somehow, he is able to lead people out of their self-criticism and innate feeling of never being enough into a sense of question, wonder, and gratitude for being alive. Today, we're here to talk about Dane's new book, Body Whispering. Welcome back, Dane. Oh, Monica, great to be with you again. Thank you. I, uh, I got to tell you, I just loved diving into this book last night, and I brag that I've become an expert speed reader. <laughs> I love it. It's been so interesting, right? With the podcast, I'll get a book, and I'm like, ah, yes. And sometimes I love diving in, and I'm for sure going to go back to this one, but I let my body actually guide me to the meat of this book, and it was just, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think it's exactly what the world needs right now. So with that, thank you. I would just love to hear what inspired you because this is a topic that I talk about all the time. Well, yeah, this is such a big topic that so many people actually ignore. And it was actually my body. <laughs> I, you know, that's actually what got me to write the book. And I created an online course called Body Whispering because uh, a little over 20 years ago now, I started doing Access Consciousness, which is the work I now do all around the world. 
And what happened was within a few months of doing this, I was exposed to, I was doing a session on the founder actually. And there was this energy that became available that felt like it connected his being and his body together. And it started getting rid of pains and he started feeling differently. And I was like, wow. And then I have, you know, in the last 20 years, I've worked on hundreds of thousands of people and actually facilitate classes in this work that I call ESB. And one day my body was like, look, you need to, you need to put this out there in a way that people can get it. Even if they've never considered this concept before, even if they have no idea what trying to, what personal development is, what consciousness is, what any of these things are. And I went, okay. So I created this course called Body Whispering and it allowed me to put things into English in a way that they had always previously only been in my head. And then, so what I did was I went, okay, so let's use that course as a framework and create this book. And it was really one of those things where it's a sense of now's the time. And it just one day hit me and went, let's make a book. And I went, oh, okay. And so what I did was, you know, I used that as a, a framework. And then I'm like, okay, buddy, what do you want people to know? And it, you know, can sound kind of cheesy to people if they, you know, don't function from that perspective of, of recognizing that our body has consciousness. But it's like you said, you know, I dove into the book and I let my body show me the meat that it wants right now. And this is the way our lives actually are, whether we acknowledge it or not is another story. And so the fact that it was finally time to put this into words, I was so excited. And as soon as this book came out and I was reading through the transcripts and I just, it was an interesting thing because I'm the one that wrote the book. I've been on this journey for 20 plus years now, and it changed how I was with my body. And I'm like, okay, this book definitely works, you know? Totally. And I love that you use the word whisper because the more the more people I talk to that have finally had some kind of a breakdown, whether it's their whether it's a a life breakdown, a mental breakdown, a body breakdown, that the voice that comes up with them is like it's like a whisper at first. Like it's it's a quiet voice, but it's a but it's a clear voice. And I think it is. It does sound a little hokey until you've experienced it, and then you're so clear that that actually that that voice is the voice of your true north telling you the way. And it's interesting, Dane, because I don't. I literally do not do anything anymore without asking my body first. I understand that one, and I love that. I, yeah, it just and a lot of what I talk about, as you know, is about women having the courage to re-inhabit themselves. And I know that you have a lot to say on the subject, but I want to go back to a couple of stories I read last night. And one was when you were a chiropractor, you had a gentleman that kept coming to you with terrible back pain. And you finally asked him, whose back pain is this? Yeah. And this was, <laughs> this, this was, this there are certain things that occur in your life that you will never forget that change the course or or give you such a dynamically different awareness of what is and how the universe or how things actually function. This was one of those. And I had been treating him for months and he was his back pain was eight out of 10 on the pain scale and 10 being childbirth. And so, and what would happen is I'd work on him and I'd get him down to a three or a four. 
And then he'd come back the next week and it would be eight out of 10 and nothing that I did changed it. And I went to my first access consciousness class or had, I had been given this tool in my first session and which was, who does this belong to? And the idea being that 98% of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions are actually things we pick up from other people and 50 to hundred percent of what goes on in our bodies actually is our body giving us information about other people's bodies or trying to heal other people's bodies. And once again, those things can sound crazy unless you experience it, which is why I think I had to get it with this man in this way, because I could never doubt it again. And I use this particular tool in 99% of the sessions that I do to help people change things in their lives. So what happened was he, he comes in and I, and I have no idea what to do with this guy. In fact, I told him, I'm like, please go see somebody else. He's like, doc, you don't get it. I've been to everybody else and nobody gets rid of the pain. And so he, it takes him almost five minutes to relax so he can lie face down so I can start working on him. And I get this thought in my head because I don't know, because you do, you know, if you're willing to let things new show up. And I looked at him and I'd gotten this information. I said, Hey, who does that pain belong to? And he pushes himself up instantly and turns and looks at me and goes, my wife. Like he knew right away. Totally. Like instantaneously, which is one of the things that I've realized is we all know, you know, you talk about the true North. We all know it's just nobody is asking the right questions Mm -hmm. and nobody is asking us the questions that allow us to access our knowing, which is, you know, a theme all the way through the book and through my life and everything that I do is, is acknowledging that people know. And so we did this and it was so interesting because with that one question, most of his pain went away. And then, which I was like, I, and I'm sitting there. I mean, I, I can tell the story now. Here it is 21 years later, right? But but in the moment, I was like... Blew your mind. What? What? Totally. I mean, there's no explanation for that. There's nothing that makes sense in logical reality of that being possible. And so, but there it was right in front of me. And I learned a long time ago that when the universe presents you a miracle, acknowledge it, don't negate it because you may not see one for a long time if you negate it. Mm. And so I went, this is a friggin' miracle, meaning it's unexplainable by anything that was in my current frame of reference. And so we got him out of 98% of his pain. And so, but what I said to him, I said, what, what, what do you mean your wife? He said, well, he's like, I can't believe you said this to me. It makes me cry when I talk about this. It was so amazing because this man loved his wife so much. And he had a great relationship with her. And at one point she had back pain and it got so bad, she was immobilized. And so she ended up having a laminectomy, a spinal surgery where they cut out part of your spine as though that's going to help it, which always is strange to me, by the way. Oh, let's cut out part. I'm sure that'll work better. But so she had a laminectomy and the pain just kept increasing. And morphine was the only thing that would get her not even totally out of pain, mostly out of pain, but it would just numb her so much that she didn't notice. And he said, I said, so what happened? He said, well, he said, she was walking by me one day and I thought to myself, I would do anything to help this beautiful woman get out of pain. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of weeks, she started feeling better (sighs) to the point where her back pain all but disappeared but within a couple of weeks after that, I started having this nagging back pain that just grew and grew and grew. And I was like, oh my goodness. I said, so are you trying to heal your wife? He's like, hell yes. 
Yeah. Of course. I just didn't realize you could do that. I was like, neither did I. Thank you for showing me. It right? Was <laughs> well, and then there, it brings up so many things for me because I, you talk a lot about empaths and how one of our most amazing gifts is like even underestimating that our very presence can help people heal. But that, and that love for humanity becomes that channel, that sensitivity channel that enables us to be able to do that kind of work. But that empaths are often kind of missing that boundary piece about really approaching our client from, or not even a client, another human being from a place of they are creative, resourceful, and whole, and don't need me necessarily to heal them or take on their despair, their emotion, that actually, you had a way of saying it that reminded me of actually my divorce way back when. And when I was talking to the therapist, I remember I kept protecting my husband from knowing the truth. And she was finally like, how arrogant you are, Monica, that you would think that you need to protect him from his own impact or from your truth. And I thought like that blew my mind that that was actually some kind of unconscious arrogance within me. So I wondered if you could talk more about what, how you define this empathic way that we can be with each other without necessarily taking on people's pain as our own. I think you described it brilliantly. It's a well, so let's let me back up a little bit to the acknowledgement that most of us on this planet actually have this empathic capacity to one degree or another. And a lot of people though have it so highly developed that they become a sponge for everything and everyone around them. And you know, the underlying idea, it, well, let's just say that it just is, but the underlying idea for a lot of people is that they want to heal people, they want to make their lives better. And yet you can either teach a person to fish or you can give them a fish. And if you're continuously having to give them fish, you're always the one responsible and you're always their source. And so if we can instead be something that allows us to empower people with a different choice, because what we don't realize is what it, everything that is going on in our bodies is a result of choices that we have made and are making. And empowering somebody with the awareness of choice and also the ability to be in such non-judgment of them that they have the space to make different choices is one of the most empowering things that we can be and do for others, but also for ourselves. Because when we be that for others, we recognize, oh, my situation, my body, my life is a result of the choices that I'm making. So, what starts to emerge then is this, this awareness. And, and if we talk about the empathic idea, empathic is the ability to be so aware. There's, there's two aspects of it. One is the ability to be so aware of somebody else's world that it appears to you as though it's yours. And second is the ability to actually use that to heal others by taking away the energetic construct that causes their pain, their disease, their insanity, their depression, their lack of hope, their sadness. I mean, this applies to everything that is less than lightness that we can 
perceive it, it, it's the whole spectrum of humanity. And certain people are more wired, for example, to take away emotional things out of people. And you'll see those are the people that feel so emotionally distressed and stressed all the time because number one, they don't acknowledge it. Number two, it's really weird that somebody could really be that. I mean, you know, if you hang out in spiritual circles, they talk about it, but really nobody really believes they can get it in the way that it really works. It's, it's way more intense than that. And so if we could have in our awareness, the willingness to not believe that it's our job to change people and, and the recognition that the attempt to change another is a fool's errand by an insane fool, <laughs> you know, and we go, no, but I care about them. Well, the greatest caring is empowering someone with choice. Mm -hmm. Even if that choice is something that you would not want them to choose, even if that choice is something that's hurting them, because, and, you know, if we each look back over our own lives, here we are today, and we have survived all of our trials and travails. And would we be who we were, who we are, if we didn't experience those things that we messed up, that we failed at, that hurt a lot at the time? Would we be as caring as we are? Would we be as gentle, as generous? No, those life experiences are what shaped us. And yet we believe somehow it's within our purview to take away the pain and suffering of others because we don't want them to hurt. Well, whether we want them to hurt or not is irrelevant. Do they want them to hurt? And then that opens up, of course, a whole other conversation because recognizing that people choose the things that create pain for them is a whole other, a whole other world to get into. But you, you see it applying where people use their way of being with their body, which is really a way of being against their body as a way of inflicting continuous pain on their life. Mm -hmm. Because our body is the one thing that's always with us. And our body is like a sweet little puppy. It's just like, hi, I'll do whatever you want. I'm here. Oh, um, you're judging me for too many wrinkles. Okay, I'll make more wrinkles. Yeah. You know, your body gives you more of what you judge. And so this is could potentially be a very long conversation. But there's so many pieces of it that if we can get if we can just turn our awareness just a couple degrees, it unlocks this area in which we have been doing things to ourselves and our bodies that we don't have to and is not creating the result that we hoped it would. Right. And then, I mean, again, this is so great because it's also, I'm reminded of like this, I think it's a Zen story where it's about kind of the the farmer whose sons are sent off to war, right? And he keeps saying like, I don't know, is it good or bad? I don't know. And And it's the whole story is like, Every time something bad happens, he's like, it's not good or bad. Like, I don't know. And, and the truth of it is like, we don't know as, as somebody who is assisting healing, like what this person necessarily needs in order for that wisdom to come to them, in order for that healing to come to them. But it's only going to come to them through their own realization through their own awareness. And so the best that we can do is see them, witness them in their pain and ask them the powerful questions that can help them see new possibilities. Because you talk about how oftentimes it's a fixed point of view or a fixed way of being 
that creates the dis-ease. Is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. It's a fixed point of view. It's a judgment, a decision, a conclusion about something. Because what that does is it's, it quite literally stops the energy. Because our body should have a flow of energy in, out, all around. And so we found something in access consciousness years ago. And then a few years later, science came out. Um, there was a, a study published that that indicated exactly what we had found, which is the cell should have a spherical structure. And when you impact it with a conclusion, a decision, a judgment, a thought, a feeling, an emotion, basically any fixed point of view that you take, it turns it into an elliptical structure, which is the beginning of the basis of disease. And so the, our fixed points of view about things are the things that stick us in our lives, period. Whenever we decide this is good or this is bad, that's a fixed point of view. It could be both good and bad, but for me, what I have realized is seeing anything as good or bad or right or wrong is a judgment. Mm -hmm. And judgment is one of the biggest killers there is. And yet we live in a world based on it. So this conversation trickling in, you know, it's part of the whispering part because we're so, there's such a loud cacophony in our ears of right and wrong, good and bad, and try to fit in and try to have the right image and if you get enough followers and enough likes, then you finally have value, which is all judgment. And we do that with our bodies. If, if I look like the girl in the magazine, that girl doesn't exist. That girl was airbrushed into existence. <laughs> Hello. And if she does, she hasn't eaten in the last six months. Do you really want it? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and so we have these images that we try to uphold and maintain. But once again, all of that is based on judgment. And what that has led me to, because as you know, the work I do is called Access Consciousness. And we have a definition of consciousness, which is where everything exists and nothing is judged. And ponder that just for a moment. If you could have, imagine waking up tomorrow and having absolutely no judgment and no point of view in your world as your eyes open. And it feels really strange because even on those days where, because some of us have that sometimes, right? But what tends to happen for most people is that judgment machine starts up within a short amount of time, and then we're back into what's right and wrong and good and bad about us and what I'm not doing and what I'm not being and who I haven't been this for and how my body does this and how I hate this and love this, and but it's not there. So imagine that it's just not there. And without that there, here you are lying in bed and you notice your sheets, maybe for the first time since you bought them. And they're soft against your skin and you notice your bed and it is cuddling and cradling your body. And you notice your pillow and you're like, whoa, this is different. And it's like the sensitivity level has increased dynamically because the judgment machine is not there. And so you put your hands on your body because you actually have this sense of gratitude for it and you touch it and it's like, oh my goodness, like your, your hands feel your skin for the first time and your skin, wherever you're touching it, feels your hands and it's an enlivening experience. And so you lay there just being with this for a while because it's, it's so amazing that you don't want to let it go. And so you finally have to, let's say, wake up and you know brush your teeth, do all that stuff that we do. And you're standing there in the mirror naked, looking at your body and for the first time since you can remember having a body, you have no judgment. And you look at it and you go, wow, you are so beautiful. And all these things have been judging you for 
number one, they're part of your character. And number two, I realize I put them there with my judgments of you, and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And that judgment machine still doesn't start, and you don't know why, you don't know how. And so here you are, you're brushing your teeth, and you can feel your teeth, you can feel the toothbrush. It's like everything has a heightened level of sensitivity. But also everything starts to beget more and more gratitude. Mm -hmm. You have gratitude for your teeth, for the toothbrush, for the taste of the toothpaste. And you actually notice it, you become really present. Really present, yeah. And so you finish brushing your teeth, you go in the shower and you feel the hot water and it is almost orgasmic. It feels so good. And you just stay there in the shower, soaking it in. And so this is, this is just, this is the beginning of a possibility for us having that with our bodies but it, it's 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 also where our bodies and our lives because our let's face it our bodies are with us all the time they're an integral part of our lives and this experience or this possibility is part of where that intertwines and the lack of judgment that we can choose because this is a choice we have we may not have ever had it before but now we actually have this choice available which is something that excites me to no end but this is where functioning from no judgment allows us the sensitivity, it allows us the presence, and it allows us to finally perceive the whispers of our body. What it brings up for me too, Dane, is I often talk about the fact that we're both human and divine. And judgment is like that separation. It's like it's like the wall that comes down between our humanity and our divinity. And what you're talking about is that moment that we kind of open that gate and we can experience the miracle of being alive. We can facilitate miracles because we're connected in that way. We're open in that flowing, and we haven't killed that energetic presence with judgment. That, exactly that. And and it is who we are. That's us being us. Right. That's us being us. There's also... I love the part in the book where you talk about the woman who needed to have her uterus removed. And you had said, well, let's ask your body. And you did. And her body actually said yes, that removing the uterus was going to facilitate some other aspect of her healing. And so I wondered if you could talk more about that. Yeah. And this is this is such a big thing also, because People who were people were so conditioned to do either or. Well, I used to believe in allopathic medicine. Well, now I don't. I do only natural. And it's like, yeah, but why? Why would we throw out the baby in the bathwater? Mm. Let's let's be in the question. Let's be the question a lot more. And so, with this going on with her, I mean, she does access consciousness. We have a ton of body processes and. I've done things, I've been blessed to be able to work on people energetically that have changed things that they thought could never change physically and otherwise. So I was a resource for her too, and I was contributing. And yet she got to this point of the doctor is suggesting that I have my uterus removed. What do you get? And I went, oh, uh, you ain't putting that one on me. Uh-uh, let's ask the only, the only uh, consciousness here that actually knows Let's ask your body because you know, if we, if we look at it, you have a body and a being 
you know, at, like you said, we're both human and divine. And I would call us humanoid because we're weirdos. We're mm-hmm. weird humans. We're, um, weird humans. We're, we're a different species. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're the seekers of the world. You know, the humanoids are the seekers, the ones that were like, oh my God, spiritually, consciousness, magic. Yes, absolutely. Different beings, different dimensions. Absolutely. And humans are like, uh-uh, none of that shit exists. And you're stupid if you think it does, you know? And it's like, okay, fine. No problem. That's fine. No need to, no need to judge us or anybody else. Let's have a different conversation. But the awareness that we have this within us, we actually have knowing again. And so does our body. And so rather than me asking her, what, what I did was let's ask your body. Mm-hmm. And, and here's a great tool. What's true for you always makes you lighter. A lie always makes you heavier. And you can apply that where if you're looking at a choice that you have to make, just go, okay, if I make this choice, what will my life be like? Or what will my body be like in, you can say something like in five years, because it gets your mind out of it. And if I don't do this, what will my life or my body be like in five years? And it'll, one will be lighter, one will be heavier. Mm -hmm. So we asked her body and she went, oh my God, it, it wants it. And I'm like, okay. And I, what I do when I ask somebody a question is I also be there as a space of, well, space of non-judgment, but also a space that allows them to have awareness beyond their points of view. But I also check whatever they say and, and see if it is lighter, you know, from mm-hmm. my perspective also. So we can use both of our perspectives to come to what the body's really asking for or what the person is really asking for. And so when she got that, she was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, how do you feel? She's like, oh, I'm actually really relieved. Like, tell me more. She said, well, the thing about this is I'd been stressing so much and thinking that because I do access and because I am doing all this other stuff energetically that I shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I know it's crazy. Why would we not use every tool at our disposal? I'll tell you why, because of this thing we've been talking about called judgment. Right. And she started shitting on herself, right? Like, maybe I should, right? And and then it's like, well, yeah, and there it is, too. It's so funny. Okay, so I had just stopped to let the dogs in for a sec. But I was just thinking, my dogs always know energetically, too, if I'm sad. And now you've gotten me thinking about again, like energy, I have always been super sensitive, I've been able to walk into a room and like, somebody can say like, no, everything's great. And I'm like, nope, like I know better now. And you talk about the fact that sometimes when you're working with a client, it is unconscious, or it's just below the surface of whatever it is that they're saying that you can actually feel that that's not the whole truth. And getting them to actually kind of reveal it is that access to get them to start to heal it. Absolutely. Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. And the here's the funny part is most of our logic about whatever it is, is wrong. <laughs> because if logic, if, if you could use logic to solve it or fix it or change it, you would have done that already. You know, I tell people, if you've been looking from the same place about it is this, and it hasn't changed for at least, you know, if you've been doing this for months and months or years and years and years, and it hasn't changed, that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Let's start asking some different questions. Like, what is this really that I never considered? And what are the infinite possibilities for being able to change this in a way that I never considered? And what else is possible I never considered? Right. And so here's where I kind of went, oh, because in the book, you started talking about 
the fact that, you know, again, these fixed ways of being, the body isn't going, is, isn't going to logic it out, right? It's not that, that there's not necessarily like a logical explanation. This is where you start introducing this concept of chaos as actually happening for us versus to us. And we have often been conditioned to look at any semblance of chaos. I I also talk about chaos as I encourage women who work with me to say yes to the mess. And that's chaos for me, the mess. And it's this idea of like, when we have nothing to defend or, you know, keep in order, we can actually start to entertain new possibilities, right? Like if we weren't so busy holding it all together, if we just let it all fall apart, we now have so many possibilities that are open to us that they weren't before because all that energy was trying to contain it all. Yes, exactly that. You know, we were talking before and you brought up uh, before we started recording and you brought up this idea of chaos and going, I love it. And I was like, me too, because I used to think that my entire job here was to bring order to a chaotic world. And then I realized that it's exactly the opposite. My real job is to bring chaos to an ordered world because order is the basis of all disease. Order is what judgment gives you. Order is what right and wrong inflicts upon you. And so here we are, we have a saying in access, which is everything is the opposite of what it appears to be. Nothing is the opposite of what it appears to be. And can you hear the screaming? This is this is such a great, this is so wonderful because there are actually kids screaming. You know how kids, especially little girls do, that really high-pitched thing they oh, do yeah. when their sister is harassing them? Ah! You know, that's exactly what was going on right now while we were talking about chaos. <laughs> Same. And with the dogs banging on the door, right? I'm like, there's right. no accidents here. Totally. And that's what you realize if you're willing to open up and stop resisting our chaotic nature. That is our nature. But if you are willing to stop resisting that, that's when you realize there are no accidents. And that that's where the miracles occur. That's where the miracles occur. Exactly. And even if we just look at like the pandemic, like not not denying, right, again, like all of the loss and the heartache and not talking about that part. What I'm talking about is the chaos that ensues when old, outdated, ordered systems start falling apart, and we suddenly have access to new conversations, new awarenesses. And it's the awarenesses that start to create the environment for healing. Absolutely. And that that chaos. And that is what a lot of people have had such a difficult time with over the last year and a half, is the chaos that has ensued by undoing all of the old familiar structures of how we be with everything. And, you know, and, and so, you know, and we could go off in so many directions about all kinds of aspects of this wonderful pandemic, but that's probably not the target of today's conversation, but recognizing that for those uh, embracing the chaos can be the greatest gift we have because here's the deal. The world is moving, you know, it's moving on to something different, whatever that is. And you can either lament that the old is no longer here, or you can recognize it and go, okay, um, now what? And start functioning from question rather than conclusion. 
And the beauty is the questions that we can, a question always opens up another doorway of possibility, but it also allows you to navigate chaos into miraculousness. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. And, and yet, and if you look at the world we live in, we've been conditioned to always come up with the answer rather than go with the flow of the chaos that runs the entire universe. Look at the universe. Watch a show called How the Universe Works if you've never seen it. And you'll all you have to do is watch one episode and you will be blown away by how big this place is and how chaotic it is. But it is, and uh, sorry, the other thing that I needed to mention was a lot of people have misidentified and misapplied chaos and havoc. Right. So what they do is they think that havoc is chaos, but it's not. Havoc is the destruction that someone brings against another to, for the purpose of destruction or the, for the purpose of control, usually. That's havoc. And that's what we see a lot of world leaders trying to institute is havoc so they can have more control. Okay, fine. But if you realize that that's not what chaos actually is, chaos is what allows you to take one molecule and create an entire universe or one idea and create an entire movement or one request and create a totally different uh, relationship with your body. That's what chaos gives us. Well, and you're using the key word there, which is creation, and and that the universe's nature is to create and expand. And what I also want to point to for my listeners is that chaos is, again, something that we were taught to fear, and it's often looked at as a feminine energy because it is creation. Actually, I think, you know, it's interesting. I was even looking up last night, the origin of the word chaos is Greek. And it's the primordial, I think I have to look it back up again, but it's like its origin word has to do with create, which which I thought was just so fascinating. And that chaos itself is that creative energy that I think we are all if we can become aware of it as an ally, as a way to actually, that it's here to assist us in creating a new consciousness, a new world, you know, where we can, you know, be more inclusive, be more tolerant, be more embracing, uh, right? Like there's so many ways, again, like that judgment separates us from being able to truly see each other. And that in itself, it's like when we look at even how much disease we have in this country, how much our bodies are begging for us to come to awareness and consciousness so that we can all heal each other. It goes back to this initial concept that you talk about, which is that our original nature, those of us that are here and able to you know, embrace other humans and love other humans naturally, it's like, it's our inclination to help each other heal. Yes. And one of the greatest gifts that we offer the world. And, and what's interesting is by extension to when you allow yourself to fully express what is your very nature, whatever that is, there's a level of fulfillment and also a level of self-awareness that that takes you out of being the effect of the outside world as though you've got to fight against it because once again you know when you actualize 
your world through your choices and from your knowing, no one can get you to buy the lie that you are less than you are anymore, including you. And so this ability to contribute to others and this ability to to be a voice of sanity and possibility in what appears to be an insane world is such an amazing gift. And, And in the choice to be that, we get a piece of us that a lot of us have longed for and not known how to find. And that is one of amazing gifts and one of the amazing possibilities that's being presented to us if we would choose it. If we would choose it. That. Okay, so here it is. Chaos means gap or chasm, being the space between heaven and earth. At the beginning, there was only chaos, right? Yep. It's interesting, right? Because I think about the fact that you talk a lot about, you know, what if everything wrong about you was actually, what do you say? What's the expression? What if everything you thought was a wrongness of you is actually a strongness of you? Yes, I love that. Because I think about being diagnosed with ADD and again, the diagnosis, it's the way that my brain was designed to work. It's it's so interesting that I would make my design somehow wrong <laughs> in order to fit in to a world that insists on a linear way of teaching, like educational yeah. system. And so if I'm being graded based on how linear I'm able to, right? So the things that needed order, I couldn't, you know, necessarily like get an A if I was being graded, yet I could go into any kind of chaotic system and see its intelligence and see its wisdom and see what was going on because I had the ability to hold all of those things at once and not make them into order. That there's, that there's so much, again, available there. And so as we kind of navigate our way back to this concept of body whispering, I'm wondering if you can just talk a little bit more, Dane, about how our listeners can start to really listen and what tools they might start to consider are available to them for healing. So first, we need to have an acknowledgement that you are a being and your body is a body, meaning, you know, and that sounds like the ABCs. Sounds like the Oracle of the Obvious. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's that, you know, hello, Captain Obvious. Thank you for entering the building. But let's look at this for a moment. So if you close your eyes and expand out, let's say a mile in all directions, just let your energy field expand out. Most people sort of start taking a deep breath at a certain point too, because it's like, oh, space, I forgot about that. And now allow yourself to expand out 10 miles in all directions. And do you notice you're there too? And by the way, I run through this really quickly because as soon as I ask you to do it, you do it. It doesn't have to be visualized. It doesn't have to be mantraed into existence. It just is because that's us. That's how fast we are. So now go out a hundred, go out a hundred miles in all directions and notice that you're there too. 
Go out a thousand miles in all directions. Notice that you're there too. Go out 10,000 miles in all directions. Woo, space. Notice that you're there too. Well, could a being that big fit inside of a body this small? The answer is hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And so your body is inside of you, the being. It's not the other way around. Now, knowing why is that important? Well, because that gives us the awareness that there are, in a sense, two distinct consciousnesses at play. And your body has the awareness of everything that concerns it. And you as the being have the awareness and the purview of everything else. And so what you can do as a way of starting to create a connection with your body is, and feel free to open your eyes, everybody, if you still have them closed or keep them closed. (laughs) Or if you're driving, please keep them open. Or if you're driving, please (laughs) keep your eyes open. Or, you know, feel free to continue expanding out. Go at 100,000, 200,000. Just go, keep going. Just go, baby, go. (laughs) And see what it's like. And that also actually is an interesting tool. When you're in the middle of something, one of the things we found is if you make something infinite, bigger than the universe, like an energy, like uh, a sadness or somebody doesn't like me or whatever, anything you make infinite, bigger than the universe, like not eternal, not everlasting, but infinite, like a big air pump you put inside of it and expand it out, anything that's alive will disappear if you make it infinite. It's a great tool for getting to what is actually true and what's a lie in a situation. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. So how do we start this connection with our bodies, recognizing we're this being, here's the body. It's like, whoa, dude, what, what? What we do is start asking your body, what, what, what the, the target or part of the target is to begin to develop a relationship again with this sweet creature called our body. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, you know, if you just ask your body and, and start by saying body, I'm so sorry for judging you. I did not realize I was doing it. I thought if I did that, we would create more of what I wanted. And I realized we create more of what I don't want when I judge you. And I'm going to do something different now. Please be patient with me. And I will do my best to be as kind as I can. And I probably will screw it up. But you've been here with me all along. Let's go on a new journey together. Please help. So it's the acknowledgement of this consciousness that your body is from the consciousness that you, the being are. And then for everything that concerns your body, ask it. See, there are certain things that that directly impact our body, like what to wear, what to eat, what sort of activities or movement to do, who to have sex with or not have sex with. Those sorts of things are dynamically, those that's our body's domain. So when you're standing there in front of the closet in the morning, just go, body, what would you like to wear? Now, I can also understand if some of you are like, I'm, that sounds crazy. I know. I thought so too when I first got the information. And, but I started doing it because I, I really wanted to, to have a different connection with my body. I really wanted to get to the place where I actually liked it more and wasn't in such judgment and all that. And I realized that it needed to start by creating a relationship because most people have dysfunctional relationships with their bodies based on all kinds of things. And we could go through that list for hours and, and the discussion of why. Let's just acknowledge for most, most people that exists. There's not, um, there's not this sense of this closeness, this connection, this gratitude that there can be. And so asking it questions about what its point of view is about things, because it has points of view. It doesn't have judgments, but it has points of view about things. And so the weird thing is I did this the first time and I went, body, what would you like to wear? 
And I looked over and there was this thing in my closet that I had not worn in, I don't know, three years or something. There was a shirt and I didn't particularly like it at the time. And I put it on and I was walking throughout the world and people were looking at me like that, you know, when, you know, when you're looking good, feeling good, strutting your stuff, you know, that one where you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, people were looking at me and I was like, holy cow, this is amazing because there's an energy, every single thing, every single piece of clothing has an energy to it also. You know, Einstein said every element in the universe has consciousness, every mm-hmm. molecule. Mm-hmm. And when you put them together in certain ways, it, it has a consciousness of its own. And so something with the color or the shape or the whatever does something that actually creates an energy that is contributory to your body. So I started asking body, and this is what I suggest is start with this body. What would you like to wear? And realize it, it may not show up right away because here's the thing. Here's why because our body whispers and we are so used to looking for the brick across the face of judgment and right and wrong and checklists. And, Oh, it's Thursday. I wear my skinny jeans on Thursday and I wear my fat jeans on Monday. And I, you know what I mean? It's like, hello. Mm -hmm. Those are all checklists. Those are all trying to function from the past, bring the past of what was into the present moment, but the past has no relevance to the present unless we are bringing it with us. Otherwise, it doesn't have to. And so our bodies can actually show us this too by this really simple exercise. And so what you'll start to notice is, yeah, you'll probably screw it up a lot. But what you're going to notice is as soon as you ask, and, and here's one of the other things I go into in the book is as soon as you ask a question, there's a ping of energy that is the awareness. We're not looking even for an answer, quote unquote, we're looking for a ping of energetic awareness, which just sort of shifts our focus for a moment to, oh, that. And so that, and what that does is this is also our body starting to show us to function from the subtlety of energy that we as beings have as a capacity to navigate our lives. And when we function from that, things show up magically and miraculously because we're, that's when we're actually functioning from the chaos of letting one molecule out of place show us that there's something that's a whole universe out of place or one molecule sort of dancing along that we go, oh, I need to go in that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's like a feather touch on your cheek. So it starts to also, and it starts to allow you to access your knowing. And so if we'll do that with everything that concerns our body, food, what to wear, what kind of movement to do, who to have sex with or not, that that's the beginning. Yeah. A couple things. One is you talk about that energetic awareness or that little ping, right? It's it is true. You kind of have to start paying attention in a different way. And then you kind of know what resonance is, right? It's like something resonates or something you get that ping. And it's like, okay, I've just learned now to trust whatever that is and to go in that direction. And my body never lies. And it's always leading me to where I need to go. And It also invites so much mystery and magic because, of course, if you're like, this is fascinating, like, why am I going in this direction, right? Like, it defies logic in some cases, and yet, here I go. And to know that that I get to trust that, that's a part of this personal sovereignty that, again, I invite everybody wholeheartedly to experience because this is when we stop 
seeking validation out there. And if we're not seeking validation out there, we're free. (laughs) You know, like we're liberated and no longer does anybody have power over us. And it's that power over dynamic, I think, that we need to start to recognize is in the very air that we breathe when we continue to kind of give away our personal power. And another thing that you said that I loved so much was how quiet the voice is. And I had this revelation the other day that wisdom is also such a quiet centering. And it comes to us when we kind of are willing to just like that farmer story that I couldn't remember, right? Like just suspend judgment for for even a moment that to allow for wisdom to drop in. And I can't help but also see, you know, if I go back to the ancient texts that have all been rearranged, that wisdom was was lady wisdom, right? Or wisdom that was always referred to in the Bible as the feminine. And, you know, we have we have not been living <laughs> a life, right, of wisdom. We've been living a life of reaction. We've been living a life of judgment. And it's it's noticing, I think, that like you said, like there's so much intelligence all around us, but it's it's by our awareness of the fact that, you know, in every plant, in every object, in everything, there is an energy, a vibration that even your, you know, your great example of the shirt, it's like it brings a new energy into the world, into awareness. And this is where I just think there's so much possibility. There's so much magic. And that's, that means that, you know, we have access to everything. Truly. And you put it so brilliantly and succinctly. That is where, when we're willing to respond to this feather touch on our cheek, that really is, it's allowing the awareness to drop in because that's where it is. Now, it's us. It's it's the, you know, we often talk about having a divine nature. And what I would call it is a conscious nature. And consciousness is where everything is included. Mm-hmm. All of it, mm-hmm. no matter what its point of view is. And that allows us to receive these feather touches of awareness that the whole universe has available. You know, have you ever had the experience of asking for awareness on something, asking for help, and there a mom is walking with her child down the road and the child says something, you're like, that's what I needed to hear, mm-hmm. you know, or you'll you'll hear an interview or whatever, you know, there, there's so many ways in which the universe has to give us energy and awareness. And that stepping into that flow, that stepping into that not shutting off what is available to us by our judgments of what is and is not available. And by our judgments of good and bad, right and wrong, and our judgments and points of view about where awareness can come from, that's when our worlds become miraculous. And you know, and I think that that's that divinity place, right? That I, that I refer to, I think, you know, when I think about miracles, I think maybe miracles are just, you know, the space of non-judgment. How about that? 
Love it. And that's when they show up. That's when they you know, show that up. That is. I mean, my my sense, and I have been exploring this dynamically over the last 21 years, and my sense is miracles are what occur when we truly be us with no limited point of view. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I really congratulate you on this book. I think your timing is impeccable. I think so many people are really having the time and the awareness to really pay attention to their bodies, that there was this element of busyness of order that was so habitual. And it just didn't allow for us to really listen at any level and to become related at any level. And that's what I think is so precious about you know, it's the disguised gifts in these times that we've had this opportunity to consider new ways of being that we've been forced in many cases to look at things differently because of the chaos that some of this has created in our lives. And so maybe just the very perspective of being able to look at this chaos in a more positive light can create more possibilities today. So thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. It's been a true pleasure. And we'll be sure to put the links for Dane's book. And you can also reach Dane online, of course. He's on Instagram. I follow him and you should too. Dane, what's your Instagram handle? It's, what is my Instagram handle? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Dane here, is that what it is? Yes, H-E-E-R, yeah. Yes, D-A-I-N. Okay, good. I know how to, yep, that. I know how to spell. I can do this. (laughs) Exactly that I can do. (laughs) And for our listeners, until next time more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.